All right, guys. How's everyone doing? Doing good. Good. Awesome. Good, so good, we have uh, CJ here today. CJ, let's just start off. I mean, we know Elias, Bashir, myself. Why don't you uh, explain your background a little bit, what you do, and kind of your role with Diversity for Change KC? All right. So I'm CJ. I was adopted from Ukraine when I was uh, two years old, and I've lived in Kansas the rest of my life. Um, I'm going to North Dakota to play football, and I've played soccer my whole life. And uh, I got with Diversity for Change for, like, uh, two years ago, maybe. And um, I'm just, like, kind of an ambassador, trying to help out where I can. Uh Help set up the charity basketball game, and I've uh, been helping Max and Elias do their thing for a while now. Yeah, and CJ was one of the first people to hop on with what we do. Like he immediately saw it and said, "Hey, how can I help in some way?" Um, hopefully, we've done a good enough job of integrating him into what we do. One of the biggest things that we've done was actually that charity basketball tournament, and that was what you were in charge of. Can you kind of just go through real quick the process of setting it all up and kind of your experience with that? I mean, yeah, it was a, uh, I thought like something that could get everyone together, like something fun. I was like, we do a little basketball tournament and I don't know, everyone like likes to play basketball. And so, I mean, it wasn't too complicated. You just had to like reach out. The hardest part was just making sure people were going to show up and well, I got a good turnout and uh, raised some good money for uh, the charities. And uh, yeah, it was a fun time. Was there anything you like learned from it from like the business side of things? Was there something that you kind of took away from that? I mean, the biggest part is just like learning like communication because that's the hardest part. You, even if you're like clear, like things will go wrong. So you always have to have like backup plan and like stay on top of things, making sure like you stay in contact with everyone just to make sure everyone can uh, get there and make sure they know what's happening. For sure. Now, We'll move on to the main discussion of this podcast today, and that's Ukraine and the situation there. Now, Elias and Bashir, be thinking of some questions because um, I, I know I'm going to miss some. But to start off, go back to your history there and kind of some new information that you, you learned recently regarding your family. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, I was adopted when I was two, and I was born in Kharkiv. And uh, so I had... Um, uh, that I know of right now I have a mom still there and two sisters and uh, so I was in contact with my older sister who's in Crimea right now and um, so she was talking to me a little bit and she was uh, saying how the mom and the other sister are still in Kharkiv and right now that's like that's a like kind of a pretty bad place to be right now and so they're having to like hunger down at their neighbor's basement because they don't have one of their own and so they're just trying to stay there, be safe. And right now everything's okay for them, but it, things could get worse. So I'm trying to stay in contact and see what's going on there right now. Did she mention anything about how the people in Crimea have been like receptive of the Russians taking over? Like in that area, is that something that they're positive towards or what's kind of the feeling? Uh, I haven't talked to her about that, but I mean, yeah, that's a good question. But right now I think Crimea is actually a, a pretty like it's like a tourist spot and so I think she's working there right now and so right there she's like she's safe over there for now but um yeah I, I probably should ask that see how that because I know like 
Ukraine is split, like half half Ukraine wants to like be part of Russia and the other half is like wants to be independent. So yeah, everywhere's a little bit different. And for you especially, it, it may be easier to kind of put yourself into their shoes of what the people would be feeling right now, not from a political sense, but like how do people there, how would you feel in that situation? Like, would you also be wanting to kind of defend your country? Like go over the steps as well there. Like kids are being forced to, to serve and defend their country. Just kind of walk us through that. Um. Yeah. So I think as a, if I was, since I was born, I think I'd want to like defend, you know, I wouldn't want to join Russia. I would want to like stay independent. And I think a lot of people do. And you've seen like, on the news and through social media, like people, um, they're taking pride for the country. And as you've seen, like the president is fighting for Ukraine and it's like, anyone that wants to fight will give you a gun. You can help defend the country. And it's pretty amazing thing uh, to see. Cause like I said earlier to you, um, and you in the United States, like that wouldn't happen. People wouldn't drop everything to fight for their country. And so it's a pretty cool thing to see. Like people taking pride, knowing that you could die fighting, but they're they're willing to do that because they they love their country, and so it's a pretty cool thing to see. For sure, for sure. Do you have something to add to that? Um, yeah, like like you, uh, CJ just said. I think it's like a wonderful thing to see, and obviously, like being Libyan for the past decade, it's kind of been the same scenario there with war and like stuff like that and you see a lot of people like drop everything to fight for their country and it just like shows how prideful people are to be from where they are and it's just like honestly um like what's the word like it's very impressive to see and it's like something amazing but yeah it's better for sure that national pride is a huge thing in a lot of other countries and i know a lot of americans have that too but it's it's a lot different you know, people 16 to 60 being forced to, or males especially, not allowed to leave the country and having to serve. I don't know how well that would go down here, you know. Elias, you got anything? Yeah. Um, just was going to ask CJ and say, from, coming from you, because, um, yeah, you're Ukrainian, but how important is it to be educated on what's going on? And not just in this situation, but just in, in – in, anything whether it's uh the muslims being uh massacred in china and another genocide that's going on or the the israel-palestine situation or whether it's this situation just how important is it to know what's going on around the world i mean yeah it's like you want to be well educated about everything and i didn't really start following until a few weeks ago just wish i'd been like paying more attention so I could have seen like how this was leading up but now that we're here like you're trying to see what's going on see how they're feeling and there's this isn't the only place where bad things are happening like you said it's happening everywhere and I think as like a teenager like you don't really realize that until you start to get older unless you're really focusing but I don't think that many kids do and so it's good to stay educated say like see what's happening around the world because i mean you never know i don't think anyone really expected like in 2022 like another war could like break out like this and you want to stay on top say see what's happening because you never know something could 
I have to happen like this anywhere, you know? I agree. That's also, cool. wanted to add, this is just for anybody, but um, how important, because this is what I believe, but how important do you guys think it is to gather information from different perspectives before you come to a conclusion about who's right or wrong i guess on to that as well like the two media sides in this in this whole conflict are completely different stories so it's kind of important to find a middle ground there exactly yeah Yeah, i Um, think extremely important honestly it's like obviously you want to get educated but the key is to get properly educated i mean if you're getting false information or or only looking at one side then are you really making a fair judgment because you have not actually been um, like you have not um, gotten to hear both sides and learn from both sides. So I think it's really important and you should look at the sources. I mean, like for example, CJ, I mean, he has family there. That's direct source. When I was talking to family in Libya, I have direct sources. Like that's stuff that gives you like um, a different viewpoint because you're hearing from people there and they can tell you exactly what's happening. So you never know, like, obviously we know our whole world's like everything's about money so some of these um news some of these like i don't even know what they're called i forgot news stories people companies whatever outlets. Uh, pardon outlets yeah some of these news outlets there we go all right they might they're just like i mean they're just trying to make money i mean sure they're trying to give you news but at the end of the day who knows like what they're what they might be changing it a bit, like changing the headlines a bit, including stuff that might be right, but just like only putting what they want in the headline is to sell more, to do whatever. So you want to make sure you're getting the proper information and not just looking at what they want to feed you. So then you veer towards that side, if that makes sense. So CJ, I guess, how have you been able to piece together and find the most realistic thing that may be happening there? I mean, yeah, so you like, you watch the news, you see, like, different outlets, like you said, and you try and, like, see, like, what seems like the most realistic thing, and then trying to get, in, like, getting in contact with my sister, like, hear her side, and, like, I think that's a pretty accurate source, and she's in there, she's living, like, through this right now, and so you try and piece, piece it all together and see, like, what is truly going down there, and I don't think, like, anyone knows the full story, and so you try and get as much information as you can and you put, you try to figure it out yourself. And, but I would say like the direct sources that you can get, those are like the biggest things. Cause that's, if they're living it, I don't think they're going to like, they're not going to try and lie about something. I mean, I feel like that's pretty good source. And, but yeah, you always want to hear both sides because there's always more information out there. And what'd she say that people in Kharkiv were experiencing right now? I mean, it's just a lot of fear because you don't really know what's going on. You see outside, you can hear like bombings and shootings going all around you and you just kind of have to hunker down and try and get through the day. And hopefully there will be a bright side the next day, but you never really know. So you're always, you're always living in fear. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Um. I want to talk about Western support. You mentioned that there are conflicts in many places around the world, but I feel like this has taken a lot of media attention just for the simple fact of what it could escalate to. Um, There's the risk of NATO troops and Russian troops getting to a skirmish and then it escalating from there. We were talking about a a little bit beforehand. And what are your thoughts on how the West has helped Ukraine 
um, possible ways they could improve. Is there some type of middle ground where they could offer more aid without tensions escalating between more of a broader world conflict? Yeah, so from what I've seen, I think right now they can't really send that many troops in or if any, but they're sending like supplies and weapons and like they're trying to give support, but not like cross that line where it can escalate to like World War Three, you know? Cause there's only so much they can do, but I think right now they're trying to do as much as they can, which is good to see. And, you know, you've seen around the world in sports, people showing their support, like nobody wants war, like nobody wants war. And I, I, there was a viral like video with that tennis player, a Russian tennis player who's wrote on the camera, no war, um, or like no war in Ukraine or something. And so people were trying to do their, like the most they can try and show their support any way they can. So that's great to see. So I don't think, I, I don't think anyone really wants war, but it's, it's, you know, your heart, it's hard to see, you know, what's going on. Does seeing all of this make you feel proud to be Ukrainian? Like you see all of the anti-war protests among Russian people, and then you see thousands of arrests come out of those from the government trying to stop it. That would never happen in Ukraine because it's a free country. Like, does it does, does it make you have a sense of self pride and you know understanding your background more? Yeah, I mean, you hate to see what's happening, but it's like, it's it's cool that like everyone's showing their support. Like, I know it's a uh, man. It's not the only reason it's on TV and on the news is because of what's happening. But it's like it's really cool to see how everyone is like showing their support for like like the country I was born in and like everyone is just, it's just, it's cool to see the attention on the country, but it's not like the reason why is not good, but yeah, it's like, it makes me take pride in where I'm from. And if I was there right now, you know, I could, or I could easily be there right now. And so I'm grateful that I'm not, but it's, you know, like you said, it's like you take pride in where you're from. If that makes sense. Absolutely does. What do you think the end goal is in being born in Ukraine, having family there? What would you accept? Like, say Russia occupies all of Ukraine. Say they put in like a puppet government that supports Russia. What do you think sort of the the end goal might be? And what would you say is not okay versus what is okay? Yeah. So. Um, I would say, obviously, the goal is for Ukraine to fight back and Russia to back off and Ukraine stays independent. And that's that's the main goal. But if that were not to happen and Russia took over, then I would just I think the goal is just to see everyone live in peace and um, just no more conflict if Russia takes over, which there's obviously a good chance of that happening, you know, then you just that's how it is then everyone just sits back lives in peace and you don't I mean you don't want to see you don't you see any more conflict um one of the other things is more of on the the human front right more of how people feel like what they're experiencing through this I've seen reports of like mobile crematoriums on the Russian side like you mentioned before we talked like there's been thousands of Russian troops that have died I said that's reported from the Ukrainian side. So we don't know if it's accurate, but at the same time, there's 
mobile crematorium on the Russian side. So they try to cover up the number of deaths by as soon as someone dies, they burn their ashes. And like, you know, th there's no justice for the families there. Like this, this goes to show how bad war is. Now, Bashir, you've, you've experienced that in your country. Elias is not really had to go through that in Tunisia, thankfully. But I mean, just, just talk for a minute about how war really affects people more than anything and it, it's a political battle but it affects people right yeah no war is obviously not good it's a disgusting thing when you look down human to human like these men for russia are just storming in here for mm. what reason like what reason do they have to fight like let go out there and die like Every time they step onto the battlefield, you know, they go like in their head, they're just thinking about their family, their friends. And like, is this the last time I'll ever, you know, get to see them? And I think if you look on it on a human level, as you said, they're covering up death. Like, if you think about it, that's that's horrible, like that's horrible, you know. You're just a number out there, you're just a, a soldier with no meaning, and it's it's super sad to see. And so it, yeah, I don't. It's just super sad because these people have no purpose. They're just a number out there fighting. It's yeah, based off that, I mean, for example, I remember a lady my mom knew uh, when it was war back in Libya. I mean, it's still war, but in the the worst moments, I mean, she had five sons, and all of them died. And I remember like they like came to her house like the like libyan government or army i don't know what you would call and they were like trying to like give her like medal or like thank her for like i i guess like you know obviously the service that um her kids like her sons did for the country but she just was just like yelling and crying like leave like nothing will bring them back like i mean at the end of the day i mean sure we remember them now but generations from now i mean they're kind of like forgotten and for all they did and somebody losing five kids because of war and like stuff like that, that changes somebody's life that it's just truly heartbreaking. And it's sad to see, for example, like one of my really good best friends in Libya, I mean, just last year, actually it was two years ago, he got shot in the head and he passed away. And like, it's just terrible to see. I mean, and why it's like, why, why, like what's the point of this? But I mean, it's, it's above us. So it's unfortunate. I was going to add, um, going back to what you guys both said, um, I've obviously, obviously you got to check sources and stuff, but I've actually found it interesting that I've seen videos and um, of Russian soldiers that are in Ukraine and that don't even know why they're in Ukraine um, and they don't even want to be there. Like they literally, some Russian soldiers are literally saying that they don't want to be in Ukraine Um and they don't know necessarily what's the big reason to be in Ukraine, but you're kind of forced being there. So um, I don't know. I just thought that was unique and interesting. And I've seen videos of Russian and Ukrainian soldiers interacting. Um, I definitely don't think this is a Russian citizens versus Ukrainian citizen thing. Um, I think the people of Russia, I think a lot of the people of Russia, like the citizens love the people of Ukraine and vice versa. Early, this is just a, a one man wanting land thing or wanting power. I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think we should label this and judge Russians for this. I think that we should just look at who's deciding it. Cause I don't think anyone else has a say in this except one man.
It always goes back to the people. They're the ones that get affected by it the most. And the people are friends. They don't want it. You know, a lot of them have a lot of the soldiers are being forced to from Russia are being forced to go. They don't have a they don't have a choice. Right. Well, in Russia, there's compulsory military service for a year or two. So they're just they were just trying to get their service up and look at what's happening. But do you think there's still room for diplomacy? This is a question for all of you guys. I think so. you start. I think there's a little. Um, I mean, I. I mean, I saw. Uh, I don't know what this necessarily means because I mean, you never know what's going on through a world leader's mind. Um, but even the, the, the Chinese president um, called for Russia to to negotiate and and talk with um, Ukraine. Um, I think most people want that. I don't think anybody wants to see more conflict with with guns and and, and planes and bombs, but. I do think there's a little room for diplomacy. Um, now, I don't know if this keeps going for a long time. If this keeps, depending on how long this continues, I don't know how much room there will be left to talk because I think it'll be too far gone. Um, but I think at this point and probably within the next five days or something, I think there is still some room. Bashir, what do you think? I, I agree with Elias, but like also I've always kind of like thought it's a bit interesting because I feel like I feel like there's two um, different pathways to that. Like a lot of times, yeah, it is like diplomacy is figured out quickly. But then a lot of times, like from my experience of like different things I've heard in like Libya, it's like more like the war goes on for a long time and then diplomacy happens. So like I, I'm not really sure like what may happen here, but like considering how um, influential it is in the world today and like how many people have spoken out. I would agree with Elias that, like, hopefully within the next five days, something, I believe something could maybe be figured out. And CJ, you said you started following it really closely a few weeks ago. During that time, that was the stage of diplomacy. They were all trying to figure it out diplomatically before the invasion happened. That failed. Does that kind of take away any trust you have for diplomacy or you still have hope for it? I mean, I, I think at this point it might be a little too late. And I think the only way anything would end is if as Russia takes over or they back off. But I, 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 just, I don't think there really is because they've gone so far now. Like no one really, no one even thought they were really gonna like actually attack. And my dad said like he he thought they were bluffing the whole time. And then you see what happens. And I think at this point it might be too late to turn back. So yeah, I don't. I don't really, I mean, there's always a chance, but I truly don't think anything. I don't think there's a, um, yeah. What about you, Max? See, I've always been on the diplomacy side, and that's kind of what Diversity for Change KC is. It's encouraging that side of things. It's encouraging dialogue between different cultures um, to find peaceful resolutions. So it's kind of hard for me to say. I think it's always, it's always there. And even seeing reports today of like them agreeing to meet at the Belarusian border. I just, it's hard to see what to believe. And it's only time will tell whether or not that happens. And it's very interesting to see, like, like CJ said, it's the 2022. You don't think this stuff would be happening. You would think that they'd be able to talk about it. So I think it is a test. And I think um, Putin, it was only a matter of time until he tested, actually did put things to the test. And I think that's what we're seeing. So that's my stance on it. 
I'm just hoping. Know. I'm just hoping that. Um, I think we're all hoping that Russia doesn't go to Poland. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's NATO. I mean, I doubt they will, but. But I use the analogy to CJ as well. Like, if so, think Romania is a NATO country. Putin knows that there's frailties in NATO. If Putin were to march Russian troops into Romania tomorrow, then that means all other NATO countries would have to declare war on Russia. Do you think the citizens of the United States are going to want to go to war to defend Romania? It's really tough to say. So we have to think about that stuff and find... We would have to from the article and the whatever the, 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 the document describing the rules of NATO is. Exactly. Like You have to find ways to build a stronger foundation in the case of any situation. You know what I mean? Because that's the way you can hopefully find peace that way. But I did want to bring up another issue. It's on refugees. It's something that we've done a lot with Diversity for Change KC, supported them. The International Rescue Committee has done a lot with um, Syrian refugees. We supported the Afghan family. Um, There's already been, I read over 300,000 Ukrainian refugees going west. there's this this actually goes to racism do you feel like the ukrainian refugees have gotten been accepted a lot more than perhaps say syrian refugees just because maybe they're white maybe they have some day job that puts them at higher prestige like have you seen that at all cj i've well i haven't really heard much about the refugee situation but i would assume because everyone really Everyone knows what's going on, and I think people are probably, I hope at least, welcoming them with like open arms, you know, trying to take care of them because like they had no choice but to leave. And so they see what's happening. They were forced out for their own safety. And so I think, I think they're probably getting welcomed a little bit more than other refugees, like you said. Now, Bashir. Like I, I compared it to Syrian refugees. There was a big pushback just because they were Muslim. Um, but do you have any thoughts on the difference between these two situations? Yeah, I mean, to start off, I would say, like, I mean, no matter where anybody refugees coming from, I mean, you see what's happening in war and it's heartbreaking and it's kind of mind blowing that people wouldn't want to help. But I, I think that it's 100%. There's a major difference. I mean, like you said, for example, I mean, like, somebody from UK, Ukraine, it's like uh, decently wealthy and like they're westernized and they're coming to another country, like probably well-dressed, decent, like people will take them in. But then you see like somebody from Syria, um, like somebody like um, a Muslim woman, like wearing a hijab and like maybe like in um, like torn up clothes because of like war and the situation there. And like, they're probably like, oh, what is this? Like, I don't want to accept her. And it's like a big difference. So I, I 100% think that in terms of the refugee scenario, I mean, I hope they're all accepted. I hope they all find people that are willing to help because it's important. I mean, you should want to help people. I mean, think if you were in that situation. But I mean, I think 100% um, refugees from Ukraine are looked upon differently than, for example, other places. Like CJ said, they have nowhere else to go. They have to leave. Um, and I think it's an example of how we can relate the two different sides, like the people from Syria, they have nowhere else to go. The people, the Afghan people, they have to leave. Right. So it's a very similar situation. And ultimately we can, they're all people. Um, 
So it's similar situations. Doesn't mean they're bad. We can, we should, we should accept them. As you said, Elias, do you have anything to add? Um, no, I just I'm trying to stay up to date. You know, I'm trying to look at trying to get information because we're, we're never going to know the full story. I mean, even 50 years from now, when they teach it in the textbooks, they're never going to teach the full story because no one ever has the full story. Um, even what they teach us now about World War One and World War Two, that's not even probably not even a fraction of what actually went down. Um, but just try to stay as educated as you can and as um, try to get information from as unbiased sources as you can and then form your own opinion on what's going on and who you want to side with. But bef- not have like a bias going into the information, because I mean, one way you can look at it is like I, I don't think anyone should I don't think anyone should. Um, agree with Russia's actions in terms of invading Ukraine. But when you look at it, NATO is trying to expand West and get close to Russia. And Russia wants the opposite. So they kind of both want the same thing in terms of um, NATO and the U.S. and Russia. Now, that obviously does not that does not uh, mean Russia has uh, justifiable actions in what they're doing to Ukraine. But like Russia wants to keep their sphere of influence and NATO and the U.S. want to expand their sphere of influence into that region. So they both they both want similar things. Um, but like I said, that does not justify what Russia is doing to Ukraine. But I think it's important to look at both sides, at least before you formulate an opinion, um, because having a bias before going into things is you're not going to get the full information. I have a question for you, actually. Um, so. The Russian government views NATO as a threat. And yeah. they were trying to expand to Ukraine. Therefore, they saw it as a threat. So they wanted to invade to stop that threat. The United <laughs> States did something very similar with Iraq. They saw the Iraqi government as a threat to their country. So what did they do? They invaded. Do you think Putin can use this as justification for what he's done? I think, I think he has. He's, he's, he's called America hypocrite. Um, hypocrites. And to be fair, we are. I, I, I think we are hypocrites. Um, I, I, I don't think we had any business doing what we did in the Middle East, to be honest. Um, quite similar to what Russia is doing to Ukraine now. Um, and it's sort of, it's the same hypocrisy that we speak on about the Turkish president. Um, and you know how he was, um, he was uh, against Israel um, for what was going on in the Israel-Palestine conflict. But at the same time, he turns around and does the same thing to people from Armenia. Um, so I think Putin and has and will continue to use that and say, Hey, you guys did this. Who are you to say anything about what I'm doing? Like you guys went to the middle East, um, and, and literally killed so many people, um, for the same reason that we are. So he literally did call America hypocrites though, recently for what we did in the middle East. That's a card. He seems to play a lot though. Just try to flip it back on other people. There's no excuses for what he's doing. It's no. a, Ukraine's a sovereign country and a free country. Um, and it's just, it's really sad to see. So, um, Elias, for sure, do you guys have any other questions for CJ? That's all I had. And we have six minutes left on here. And the other thing is as well, the situation changes so much. It might be different in an hour. It might be different tomorrow when we release this podcast. Like it's Sunday right now, the 27th could be totally different story tomorrow. So, um, do you guys have anything else to add? No. <laughs> no not really i would just say like i mean it's great that we're talking about it. it's nice for me to hear from three other people their other their opinions and like just talk about it and i think it's important that 
a lot of people talk about it and like learn. I mean, education is power and you don't want just your own bias education. You want to hear from other people, hear from different sources. So I would just say, make sure you get educated and talk to people and see what they've heard. Maybe they have connections. Like luckily we know CJ and he's telling us stuff that I would have never known. And it's just, you know, nice to know, I guess. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for coming on CJ. Thank you. Don't stress. I truly hope your family stays safe. Um, and I don't know, we'll be, we'll be watching that. We'll be praying for you and uh, you know, wish you all the best. So thank you guys. And DJ. Uh, yeah. I'm keeping your family and everybody in Ukraine in my thoughts and, and prayers. So I really hope, I just hope this ends with the, the conflict ends and they talk it out um, peacefully, but like we said, we, we never know. Um, but I'm, I'm keeping everyone in Ukraine in my thoughts um, and prayers. So I hope this finishes soon uh, in a positive way, not in a bad way, obviously. But, I mean, this is just horrible. 2022, and you think people learn from mistakes from like 70 years ago, 80 years ago? Real quick, Elias, you follow China a lot. If they invade Taiwan, that's another front that could spark conflict. Yeah, that would be... I honestly have no clue how if they do it, if they invade Taiwan at the same time that Russia is invading Ukraine, um, I have no clue what's going on. That goes to back to hypocrisy. Like they condemned Russia for invading Ukraine and they. Yeah. That's why I said I don't I don't really trust world leaders and what they say. Like I don't even trust. I don't trust what Biden would say or uh, the Chinese president or Putin. I mean, I don't trust anyone what they say that because they're all they're all hypocrites. Um, they all say one thing and then do the ex- Turkish president. They all say one thing and then they do another thing. So I, I don't know why the Chinese president came out of nowhere and said Putin, like, talk it out with Ukraine, uh, because I know dang well he really wants to invade Taiwan. The next day he signed a trilateral agreement with Azerbaijan, Turkey, and Russia. The next day after condemning their attack on Ukraine. It's just saying. It's crazy. But, um, yeah. Here, any final remarks? But great, crazy stuff going on. But yeah, like you said, never would have thought anything like this could happen in 2022. That's right. Just shocking, dude. People yeah. don't learn from mistakes from years ago, dude. I, I don't understand it. Like all the genocides that have happened in the past, and we're still committing genocides. I, I just don't get it. So it's all good. We have it here right now. Terrible, especially on a human level. But you guys, uh, I'll have a good day. Thank you for hopping on. And again, CJ, all the best for your family. And um, we'll, we'll keep following things. Appreciate it. I'll keep you guys updated if I hear anything else. Let yeah. us know. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you, you, man. Have a good Thank one. Thank you.